Hello, and welcome to a very good social media podcast where we try to live up to that name every day. I'm Zach Gellia. Let's get into it. So today's episode, you are not going to want to miss, um, you know, this guy, someone who, um, you know, I've known for quite some time and someone that I've worked with a lot more recently, um, with the starting of his own company, but, um, someone who's just, you know, their company now is synonymous with content and sports and, and, you know, simplicity and making things easier. Um, you probably know what app I'm talking about and that is slate. Um, you know, so I'm really excited to talk to Eric Stark, who is the co-founder and president of Slate, um, just about, you know, not only the app and the development of it and just how things have progressed for him. And, and honestly, very curious about how you start your own business and start something from scratch and go from, you know, like we talk about in content, going from an idea all the way to, all right, this is real. Now we have to find clients. We have to do, you know, do the, the, the due diligence and the dirty work to get things done. So, um, episode very, very exciting. Um, you know, someone whose background is, you know, dates back, I think before mine even started in the industry. Um, you know, he was, uh, with the NFL, went to the chiefs, went to the Niners, um, back to the NFL, and then, you know, hit the ground running with Slate and, and you see what it is today. So, um, you know, very, very excited to talk to him and his journey and just his views on leadership and and any, you know, tips and tricks for for new leaders or established leaders who are just trying to find their way, uh, you know, hiring advice, uh, a lot of things that someone, you know, who has developed their own company can give a lot of insight into. So uh, without further ado, uh, I'd like to welcome Eric Stark to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm super excited. Man, it, it's been, it's, it's been a while. I feel like we've, we've talked here and there quite a bit, but, um, the last like long stretch of conversations, I think was back when I was with the Cardinals and, and you guys were yeah. kicking off slate and, and kind of taking that thing to the next level. Yeah. You were one of our, uh, one of our first users, one of our first customers. So there's always, there's always time for you because we wouldn't <laughs> be here if you didn't adopt slate way back in, uh, was 2019. Yeah. Oh man. Well, no, I, I appreciate that, but I, I'm I'm pretty sure you guys would be you'd have been alright either way. But well, cool, man. Well, honestly, like the the biggest part of this is like everyone's journey is so different, and that's normally how I kick these things off. Is just like you know, you came from I, I don't know if you came from, but started in film a long time ago, maybe not too long ago, but started in film, ended up with you know the league, the teams, now building your own thing from the ground up. You know, just kind of take us through, you know, what, uh, what that journey has been like and how you got to where you are today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I studied film in college and I had some internships in the film industry, kind of thought that I wanted to get into marketing for, uh, movie studios and TV shows and that whole deal. Um, but I ended up one of my best friends in college, his sister actually worked at the NFL. So as I was, looking for what my first job out of college would be. Uh, I would incessantly ask my friend to intro me to his sister and uh, finally got in touch with her. It was just an informational type of conversation of like, what's it like working at the NFL? What do you do? Um, and she was very good at giving me just career advice more broadly. Obviously I approached it more as that than just like, I want a job, uh, <laughs> but like, nurtured that kind of connection and 
got a lot of good advice from her that would have helped in any scenario, but a, a gig ended up opening up like right as I was leaving college. It was um, a seven month co contract position with the NFL on the club digital team. Uh, so the team that supported all 32 clubs in digital and social strategy, which, which you know that team well. Uh, so she encouraged me to apply and I was like, okay, definitely. And I, I hadn't necessarily, I had an internship in, I had some sports-based internships in college. So really I was focused on just working for a company or a brand that I thought was cool, which I think a lot of people out of college probably have that mindset. And I was always a huge NFL fan, a huge sports fan in general. So yeah, I, I applied and um, got the gig and kind of that started my career um, in, in digital and social really, which wasn't necessarily a plan of mine to just say, I want to get into digital media. Obviously social at that point wasn't even really a career path yet. It was just getting started. So um, that's that was my first gig and that kind of led to working for the league for a year and then working for um, on the team side, I went to the 49ers for two years and like really got into just digital content and social media content and being like, I really loved the ability to be like creative in that role, um, but also strategic. And it was nice going from the league to a team because of the league, I wasn't necessarily like creating content or running any accounts. I was just working with the clubs, as you know, on their strategy and helping advise from a central standpoint, uh, but I really wanted to get in the weeds of actually creating content, um, which I got to do at the 49ers and it was super fun and very like engaging and rewarding to be on that side of things. So yeah, that's kind of how things started. And um, then I went back to the league for a stint on the international side, which was really fun because that was um, not new, but a new level of investment the league was putting into international I think I was one of the first like central marketing hires. So that was very much like full creativity, launch social media accounts in Germany and Brazil, like places that now are having games. So it was cool to be at the start of trying to launch social presences in other countries. And I don't know why they hired me. I mean, I, I don't speak any other languages, but no, it worked out well. Um, and then, yeah, so all told, I was at the league for almost a decade in different digital social marketing roles uh, and then and then left to start Slate. And my one of my co-founders actually was a video producer with me at the 49ers. So we had met way back when, um, both, both working at the Niners. So that was kind of funny that that came back around, I guess, like six, seven years later, we started a company together, which is cool. Yeah, that's amazing. That's cool, yeah. man. Well, well, I, I we're gonna get the slate for sure because I I want to know anything and everything you're willing to share. But, um, yeah. but one of the things that like kind of it was my first real eye opening experience was going from something that I knew so well, like I never played football or anything, but that was like that's where I kind of blossomed and grew my career. Like I was in the NFL for seven years, yeah. And so when I came to baseball, I was like, oh well, it's it's content. Like, it'll be fine. Like I played baseball. I know, you know, I know the pirates, like this will be right. good. And then it was like complete shell shock of just like, there's, you know, you have affiliates and minor league teams, you have right. like drafts at different times, you have <laughs> yeah. international signing periods, you have all these different things that it was like all the stuff I took for granted with the NFL that you just knew from right. the back, like the back of your hand. And so I'm, I'm curious from, from your perspective, like it's probably not 
that sort of shell shock by any means going from the league to clubs to the league, but mm -hmm. talk about maybe that transition of, you know, how do you go from basically, like you said, supporting all 32 to then focused on one singular entity and then back to all 32 again? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a good question. I would say from the first stint at the NFL was, uh, obviously very much working with the clubs like that was the role it was to work with the clubs on their digital and social so we were very much kind of in their world day to day tracking what clubs were doing in terms of their content tracking their analytics you know trying to pull out trends seeing who was doing it best who wasn't recommending the things that we knew worked you know at across clubs to try to lift some of the clubs up who weren't doing certain things. So really got like a very uh, all-encompassing training on like what makes a good club digital and social team. Cause that was like the role was to see all 32 compare, help everybody get better. And you really saw like which, what things worked and what things didn't. Um, and also it was just almost like technical support on the old CMS, which I'm sure you have <laughs> nightmares about, but like obviously got very familiar with, with the tools used to manage the website. And that, at that time, websites were more important than, than social and Facebook was just starting to be kind of a traffic driver. Um, but I actually, I actually didn't know I wanted to work for a club or didn't have that in mind. I was trying to get hired full-time at the NFL because I was on a contract basis, um, which ended up extending beyond the seven months. But, you know, I was still just like, yeah, we don't have headcount, that whole deal. And um, my boss, George Scott, who you probably remember, yeah. uh, and, and Mike LaBianca, they like called me into their office one day, uh, like all the bosses were there and I was like oh yeah this is it like I'm about to get hired full-time you know and they were basically like so Eric like what do you think about uh going to Kansas City I was like what like what are you talking about <laughs> they were like basically the Chiefs had let their digital leader go um and had like a void in the role and um their like VP of marketing and content was basically went to George and was like, Hey, can you send someone to help in the meantime, while we find, while we find this permanent position. So yeah, they basically sent me, I think one, it was like flattering because maybe I was doing a job, but also because they knew nobody else on the team <laughs> who had like established lives, like wanted to go to Kansas city for an undefined amount of time in the middle of, uh, in the middle of like late winter, early spring, uh, so I was like, yeah, I'll go. And I went to Kansas city and basically got dropped into the chiefs. It was, it was their first, it was the off season where they had the number one pick in the draft. So they just went like one and one and 15, but then Andy Reed was there and Alex Smith had just, so it was like kind of the start of this new era. Uh, and they had the number one pick in the draft. And when I got there, it was basically right around like schedule release and draft time like leading into draft. Um, but I ended up basically running all their digital and social as kind of like a one man band. And I had learned a lot in the last like eight months working for the NFL about like what it took to do that successfully. Um, but yeah, I was like a year out of college and I was like the person 
literally the president of the chiefs was like asking me for advice on like digital media. And I was like, this is crazy, you know? Um, but honestly, like things weren't going so well before that there was a lot of easy wins. Right. So I was like making a lot of very positive changes in a short amount of time and like working, working through stuff. And, um, it was super rewarding to be like, all right, I'm going to change the website. I'm going to like work with the video team. Like we should create this content. I'm going to like do, I was like posting all their social um, and like the numbers started going up and I was like, it's awesome to actually be the one doing this, you know, versus just advising on it. So that like, and, and it felt good to have that level of just like control and autonomy. So it was a pretty crazy thing that happened early in my career to basically be like director of digital in a way at a club, you know, less than a year out of college. Right. Um, so that taught me a lot. And I mean, it wasn't, um, it didn't come without like stress. I was just like, I had to figure everything out, you know, I was just like, okay, I'm here. I don't have a ton of guidance. Like, I guess I got to like run this website. Um, so that's when I realized I definitely wanted to be more like hands on the keys. Um, and yeah, the VP there actually ended up going to the Niners and asked if, you know, I would want to come with and take a job at the Niners. So I'm from California and I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not going to like yeah. live in Kansas city full time. Great place. Loved my time there, but I wanted to stay in California. So it was a perfect fit. And then I went there and worked for Scott Kegley, who I think is going to be on this podcast as well, yeah. um, who became like, a good friend and mentor of mine and had a few great years there. And yeah, that's where I met. That's where I met Michael. So my co-founder, um, but this is a roundabout way of saying like the transition from the league to the, the club was like, Oh, I actually have ownership here and I could do things that are creative. And if I have an idea, I could execute on it, not just like recommend it, you know? Um, and I really liked that. Um, so yeah, did that for a few years and then transitioned back to the league. And that transition was like, oh, I actually have work-life balance. <laughs> yeah. So then I went back to the league and was like, oh, this is great. Like, I don't have to work six days a week, 12 hour days. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, that, that was its own kind of adventure, but th that was like the big shift. And that was a kind of the best of both worlds because, I was still, there was still a lot to do on the international side and it wasn't back on the old team. I was at just like recommending stuff. We were doing more hands-on, like let's create content. You know, we took Odell Beckham to Germany for a week and got to create a bunch of content around that. So I still got to like come up with ideas and execute on them, but so, but it was a better balance of obviously not having the, the schedule around the team, which as you know, is, is, never ending especially yeah. in season so yeah that was kind of it like led me to that which was kind of the best balance of the two that's awesome man yeah, yeah. and it's, it's cool that like without even knowing like that first role in the nfl where you're like you're basically scouting the 32 teams and, and what yeah. they're doing then you're like okay well i get to run one like i you basically had the playbook ready to go of like i i know what every team is doing this would be my take on it and that was kind of like that was the hardest thing when I first, cause I, like I was with uh, a NASCAR track when I first started, mm -hmm. um, oddly enough, like was never a NASCAR fan, still not a NASCAR fan to this day, but it was like, I basically accidentally got into the industry, but like, 
coming to the Steelers, then it was like, okay, I like, I'm not kind of on my own little Island in Michigan trying to, you know, make people care about a racetrack that only has two races a year. It's like, I have to compete with 31 other clubs and then the rest of the sports world. So it was like that learning curve was so steep at first where it was like, you know, you're now it's like, you can try stuff, but you have more of an educated guess, but like, at least in, in the role that you went into, it's like you had, you almost had at least the general playbook that then you could kind of put your spin on. Totally. Yeah. And then when I was, the chiefs again, were in such a bad way in that area before. And that's part of why they were like, Hey, we need somebody like anybody, you know? (laughs) So I really was like the expert there um, because of what I had learned in just like eight months, like in that more kind of oversight role, which I think was a great thing for my like career confidence too, of being like, okay, I could like own this. I could direct things. I could uh, come up with ideas and measurements of success without like a boss telling me, Hey, this is what you need to do. And I think that's basically served me well in my career, like ever since. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and it's, it's crazy where it's like digging into the numbers and, and understanding not only just the, like, let's make cool content side, but also like there's, you know, there's a bottom line, there's, there's other goals, there's things, there's conversions that you need to make. So like taking all of that into account, I'm sure has helped you in developing, you know, your own company from the ground up, building something, you know, with your bare hands, basically, like just, I'm, I'm fascinated by people who can do stuff like that and really basically like not live out their dream, but like put, you know, this, this plan in action from, Mm -hmm. you know, we have an idea all the way through like, all right, well, now we're rolling. Like, we just need to keep getting more clients and keep developing this thing. And we, we've got a, a solid product. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's been a fun journey and obviously a whole new challenge. Um, and, but a great, a great just learning opportunity at bare minimum. And that's part of why I jumped in. I was like, look, even if this fails, it's going to be an awesome experience, um, and going to help me in my career either way. Um, and obviously I, I, you know, not obviously, but I was at a time in my life where, you guys know I don't have kids, yeah. <laughs> obviously. Uh, at a time in my life where it was easy to not have to stress as much about, you know, what the outcome could be. Yeah, no, it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, I, honestly, like the the other side that really, you know, moving from my career to a leadership role was something that was kind of like, and I, I talked about this in, in another episode, but like just kind of a smack in the face wake up call of like, like when you were with the chiefs, it was like, you were doing everything. Like it was just, you put your head down, you have, you know, a hundred hours worth of work to do. You're doing it. You move on then, you know, and that's basically what I was doing with the Steelers. Then moving to the Cardinals, it was like, well, no, no, no. Like you don't have to do all the stuff that you've been doing and that you're good at. You have a team to do it now. So now your job is to make sure that they can do that stuff. And it was like, just learning an entirely different language and a, and a, just a new world altogether. So I'm curious, like going from early on, like with the chiefs and, and, you know, kind of being a one man band, like you said, and now being a leader of a company, not only just like a smaller team, how, how was that transition and, and how has your kind of leadership journey shaped who you are now? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's that, tr- that, transition kind of happens 
gradually at a startup because when we started the company, we're all just grinding individually, right? And that is the same sort of mode of, you know, like when you're running the social accounts yourself and you're just like, all right, I'm going to do all these things. And like, these are the things I want to do. And I just need to like put the time in and work. Um, and then obviously, you know, you start growing and um, we raise some investment and we're building a team and then you transition to like managing a few people. And then as that team grows, those things like grow, you know what I mean? Uh, your managerial responsibilities grow. I think at a startup, you're always doing a lot of both, um, which is fun, but also makes it hard, you know, and you need people who don't necessarily need to be managed that closely because everybody is so busy and they need to be able to be super proactive and have their own like owner mindset of like, I'm just going to be able to do this and help take the company to the next level. Uh, but yeah, I mean, managing people is probably the hardest thing, you know, of that I've done in my career. Um, you got to meet people where they are and everybody is at a different place and needs different things. And something will always come up no matter how like strong your team is and how great everybody is to work with. There's always going to be something to kind of deal with. Um, so you just have to be like ready for that and ready to react in a way that is like compassionate, but also true to like, your values and the rest of the team, you know, it's not always about making everybody feel great because they sometimes what they're doing affects like the rest of the team and vice versa. And like, there's just a fine line between wanting to make everybody feel good and happy. That's almost your first instinct as a manager when you, when you're new to it is like, I'm going to be the cool manager that like everybody likes. And then there's the like, okay, how do I, um, how do I get the best out of people, which doesn't always mean like I'm just a cheerleader, you know what yeah. I mean? Um, and set clear expectations, but also manage my own workload, uh, you know, set boundaries on where we can have conversations and where I want you to do things. And, you know, I always like to get in the weeds. And I think that sometimes could be to a detriment, right? You want people to not feel like they have to ask you for everything yep. and they may not be doing that because um, they don't have the answer, but you may have just like gotten in this rhythm of like putting in your opinion of everything that you, everything that they're doing. And that sometimes doesn't give them enough autonomy to, to get stuff done on their own. So you really sometimes have to be like, if you have an idea or they say something or your team says something, you got to pick and choose where you decide like, Hey, actually, no, I want it this way because the more often you insert your idea, like the, the less the team is going to feel like, okay, I could just take this and run with it without having to come to you. And that's obviously what you want is yeah. to be able to like in the best working relationship, the people that um, you work for, you take things like off of their plate and make them better and they help unlock things for you. And in the worst, you know, you feel like you're being micromanaged. You can't do anything without checking in with them and vice versa. Like you feel like you have to spend time managing someone versus them doing that line of work while you're doing the other line of work. So, yeah, you kind of learn that over time, but it's always like evolving. And I'm sure 
I mean, that that's true for any manager startup or otherwise, you know? Yeah, for sure. Well, yeah. And, and it was the hardest thing was like figuring out and understanding that not everyone has the same mindset or skill set or and maybe not skill set, but just like the way that I work. And it's like, I'm in the weeds, I'm in the details. I like to plan things out in advance. Anytime that I have a minute to myself, I'm going to schedule stuff for, you know, the next week or develop copy or so it's like, that was the hardest thing was like you said, meeting people where they are. It's like, just because someone doesn't do things the way that I want them or the way that I would do them doesn't mean that they're not doing it correctly. So it was like, you know, um, graphic, my graphic designer in Arizona for a while, um, who is absolutely incredible. One of the, the best designers in the league, but yeah. him and I kind of butted heads. Cause it was, I kept telling him how I wanted things to look and he'd be like, well, but I, I kind of like it this way. And it was like, no, 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 yeah. do it my way. And then as we kind of grew together, it was like, if I trust you and your skills and how good you are, why am I telling you what these should look like? So it was like, that was a really kind of my first wake up call of just like, if this, if this person is as talented and amazing as you think they are, why are you telling, you know, the creative, amazing designer, how it should look when he's showing you how it should look and you're just not getting it. Totally. Yeah. I feel like with design too, it's like everybody has an opinion and that's where it gets really hard because there's no technically like right or wrong, unless you're like, Hey, we need a sponsor on that. That's like come from right. this, or this is why we like can or can't do that. But if it's just like aesthetic taste, you know, um, that's where things get there. There's a lot of little versions of that, but yeah, design specifically with social, it's kind of just like, if you send it to seven people, they're going to have like seven different opinions. Um, yeah. And I'm sure those like, yeah, people who aren't involved in social or design will chime in of like, Hey, have you thought about doing this or send you an example of some, some other thing of like, Hey, look at what they're doing. You know, it's like, what are yeah. you applying? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Well, and, and it's like, and, and that's something that I've been, I've been trying to do better at. And it's like, when you bring, you know, if you're, if you're hiring these people and you're bringing them in and, you know, you're obviously hiring them for a reason. They're talented. Why try and stick them in the exact box of how you think they should do this job? It's like, if you hired them, you should trust them to be able to do what they do and how they do it best rather than like, no, no, no. Like, this is how I want things done. Do it that way. Totally. Yeah. I mean, that that's when I think the working relationship works, works the best. It is just like full trust. And if they, if you can't trust them, you got to work with them as to like, why, like, why is this not happening? Or, you know, I, I always think people should be like very, very autonomous um, and be able to just like figure shit out, like define success. And like, if you don't know what that looks like, you're still just like pushing forward with something and checking in about like, is this successful? Like check out this, you know? Um, and again, I think sometimes that's like an unrealistic expectation for certain people, especially like early in their career. Um, and it's like hard to teach that, you know? Uh, Cause it's easier to teach like, Hey, this is exactly how I want it done but it's harder to teach. Like sometimes you just need to make your presence felt. And if you don't know what success looks like, 
it doesn't mean you're just kind of like, well, I'm not getting enough direction. It means like, I'm going to try this thing then I'm going to show my boss what I tried and tell them why I did it this way. Cause I thought this would be effective and then go from there, like just keep, and that's the sort of stuff that I think I learned earlier on when I was in positions where I almost like didn't really have a boss and was like, okay, I'm reporting to someone at the NFL who doesn't care about like the chiefs day to day and the people at the chiefs, like, brought me in to do this but they don't have direction you know what i mean yeah um, back to that but i think that was like a super helpful experience because of that and anytime for people kind of early in their career you know everybody early in their career wants more like direction and like specific guidance and then you get to later in your career and you're like man i wish i had less uh <laughs> oversight and guidance and wasn't that nice like you know, I had a boss my first few years, this is hypothetical, but like who my sister actually like said this very thing is like her first few years in the working world. She was just like, well, I'm just kind of here. No one's telling me what to do. And now she's like, I wish I had that now, <laughs> you know, but it's hard to learn that. And yeah, early on you want like people to coach you and stuff, but there is a benefit to being kind of just dropped in the deep end and having to figure it out for yourself because yeah that is what work ends up being, you know, um, as you, as you go further up in your career, like a lot of stuff is on you to figure out and to find success from, from scratch. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I mean, it, one of the things I always say is like, freedom is amazing, but uncertainty is really scary. So it's like, you're trying to figure out how do you thread that needle of like, I don't want you just floating in the abyss, trying to figure something out that you don't know that you're equipped to do, but I also don't want to be hovering over your shoulder saying like, well, did you think of this? Did you think of this? Did you think yeah. of this? And it's like, yeah. It's, yeah. That's why being a manager is like the hardest thing. <laughs> it's yeah. true, man. It's true. It really is. Kia ora, everybody. My name is Xavier. And for those of you who don't know, kia ora is a greeting in our native Maori language here in New Zealand. In two weeks time, I will be graduating the University of Auckland with a marketing degree. And during my studies, I've spent the past four seasons working with the BNZ Breakers. Initially, I started providing a point of difference uh, through my sports illustrations, but this has evolved into more of a creative direction role recently, where I've been designing a lot of our brand, social media and membership assets. My favorite project was designing the Chinese New Year special edition jersey. Over the years, I've also been lucky enough to work closely with New Zealand Rugby and the All Blacks. Every kid here dreams of growing up to become an All Black as rugby is our biggest sport here in New Zealand, so it has been a privilege designing and illustrating for their social media. Other clients I have worked with include Bleacher Report, the Brooklyn Nets, Carolina Panthers, Duke, FIBA, and Microsoft. And I've obtained a lot of these clients through my design social media, uh, where I've used my marketing skills to grow my TikTok to 120,000, as well as my Instagram to close to 30,000. And this has been a great platform for me to showcase my work to wider audiences and potential clients. The dream for me would be to work in the US sports industry. However, I found it challenging to get a job there due to all the visa requirements. So in the short term, I'll be transitioning into full-time freelance graphic design and illustration. So if your brand is in any need of graphic design or illustration work, or you have any tips of getting a visa into the USA, or just want to connect in general, please don't hesitate to reach out to me. My DMs are always open. 
Lastly, thank you to Zachary for the opportunity to speak on your podcast. I really enjoyed the insights you've provided and all the industry experiences from all your guests. So cheers. All right. So to wrap up this leadership chat, that has been amazing and honestly, like so helpful for me too, just because, I mean, I've been doing it for, you know, over a decade now, but I've been a leader, you know, half the time and probably less than half the time at this point. So it's like, I'm, I'm trying to, you know, read books and luckily like with the pirates, we have a leadership Academy, which is crazy. And I've, I've never had anything like that before. So it's like, it's kind of opened my eyes to a lot of different things and and different ways of doing things that I just, I didn't know before, but, um, but basically like if there was one piece of advice that you could give to, you know, a new leader, you know, going into that first role, Zach going into his role with the Cardinals, like what would be that one thing where it's like, if you can at least start with this, everything else you'll kind of have to learn as you go. Yeah. That's a good question. Um, I guess the best piece of advice would be like foundational is you got to meet with the people on your team, like at least once a week. Um, right. Like it's basic, but not everybody does it. Um, and that one-on-one time shouldn't be about you telling them like what they need to do. It should be their time and you're there to like listen to them, right? Like they should be the ones to feel like, okay, I have this meeting time where I get to say what's happening, what I want, what I need. Um, It's not a time where my boss is telling me all the things I need to have on my to-do list and checking in with me on the things I've done that should happen like elsewhere. Like that you shouldn't need that one-on-one to be figuring out those sorts of things that should be happening throughout the week. And otherwise where that one-on-one is really where you could like sit back and listen. And that's like your main goal is to like understand their motivations and their psyche and their, what makes them excited, what makes them not, not like if they are doing the tasks, yes or no, because that's like, you got to understand them and where they're coming from if you want to build good relationships, which will lead you to like actually getting the most out of them and them being honest with you. Because that's in the end, what you need is them to be honest with you. Um, And if you don't build enough of a foundation for them to be honest with you, like everything else kind of falls apart you know so um it starts with the time and just making sure you have the one-on-one and never move that one-on-one or cancel it and say like okay we'll do this next week because then you're going to signal that it's not important you know unless you really really have to that one-on-one should be as in like you would never do that to your boss and just say hey actually can we meet next week like it just that just shows that okay uh, you know, I'm the second priority. I don't really matter. Um, so having that one-on-one and then just using it as really like a time to listen is a good like foundation for, for new leaders. Like you're not there to just like direct somebody, like just start slow and like understand who they are as people. And then you'll start to get, be able to um, get their best effort. And at least they could be honest with you if they're saying, Hey, I'm not into this or this isn't working or this is a huge problem. Um, they should feel comfortable telling you what's really happening. Yeah. No, yeah. I, it, that's, that's amazing advice. And again, if, 
Zach going to the Cardinals would have known that earlier. <laughs> I think I think it would have been a little bit better of a situation. But yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's hard. Like like you said, like I'll have meetings where I end up talking for thirty five minutes straight, and I'm like, man, like what what was the point of that meeting? Like, what did anyone right. get out of it except for they just knew every detail of everything I had to say? It's like, what? How can we? you know, not only have meetings, but have productive meetings and have them be, you know, not just, you know, a placeholder on your calendar. That's another thing you have to do every day, but how do you make them, you know, valuable and make them, you know, helpful to everybody? Totally. Yeah, totally agree. You can't just kind of dump all your thoughts onto your team. You got to like pick and choose. Yep. No, I agree. Well, now talking about kind of our teams and, and, you know, the leadership side, I'd like to get into kind of, you know, what advice you would have for the next generation of, of, you know, those college students, high school students, whoever it might be, someone in a different industry trying to get their foot in the door in sports in you know, agencies, media, whatever it might be. But, you know, as someone who has hired people before, how do, you know, how do they use their two pieces of paper, their cover letter, their resume, how do they use those to stand out in this process? Yeah. Oh man. It's hard. <laughs> That's hard. I feel like it's so hard to it's that's the one thing that I don't feel like I am necessarily good at, which you have to be good at to run a startup. And like we've been lucky enough to hire like amazing people. Um but I don't think I know why, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. I don't think I'm very good at just like identifying like, okay, this is the trait you need to have. Or like I trying to, it's more of just like a feel thing of interviewing. And I just, I don't think I have a good interview process of, Hey, this is what we're looking for. This is what you need to bring to the table. Um, and again, we've been very lucky because we've hired like amazing people and we have an awesome team. But I always think about that as probably my biggest weakness is like the ability to like, I want to feel like I really know how to recruit and um, like vet someone in an interview for the type of person that um, would fit for the role and for the culture and for those things. And, you know, I still feel like I just do that based on feel, you know, and um, it's tough because then the question of like, okay, well, if you're a candidate, how do you stand out? Um, honestly, I don't know what to say in terms of like the resume, you know, except for the experience. And when you're younger, cause like, that's what people are scanning for. Right. It's like, do you have relevant experience? And I do think the like harsh reality is even if you're applying for an internship, like they're going to look at what you're doing, you know, even the most entry level roles. It's not just like, cool, everyone apply who doesn't have any experience and we'll just get a feel for the personalities. Like there's always going to, and that's always the joke of like, it's entry level, but you want two to three years of like social media experience. It's like, um, but that goes back to like, okay, where, what can you do early in your life and career um, that can be, proactive in giving you like a better resume than somebody else and that doesn't always mean like okay I need to go get an internship at the NFL which is like really hard to get you know 
It could be like started your own podcast and talk about that experience. It could be, um, you know, something that like you got to basically think of how could I make my own like experiences. And some of that is trying to get internships, networking with anyone you can about these experiences. But there are like opportunities at your disposal, especially these days with the Internet. Like there's so many different things you can work on and put yourself out there. Um, obviously it's easier if you have clarity of like what you want to do, which I think is like a tough ask of anyone in college and high school. And I don't, wouldn't expect or think anyone at that age should know exactly what they want to do. Um, but there's ways you could build, start building your resume and just thinking about, okay, how could I build my resume with experiences that would be interesting with things that I can control, not saying like, okay, I applied for this big internship and yeah, if I got it, it would look great in my resume, but I didn't get it. So I don't have anything on my resume. You know what I mean? There's always something you could do that can be a good story for your resume. Um, and if you don't know exactly what it is that you want to do, like find something that you're passionate about, but think about it in terms of like, okay, what would like the business version of this be? You know what I mean? Like maybe if you're like, I really want to travel for a year and you're in college and you're like, I'm going to take a gap year and travel for a year. It's like, what can you do during that year besides saying like, I traveled the world that you could then talk about in an internship resume? Is it, I'm going to travel for a year and try to like work my, like I'm going to give myself a $500 budget and I'm going to try to find jobs as I go to like fund this. And that's going to be like my education on like how to actually, you know, and that becomes a story that on an interview would make you stand out versus someone who's just like, yeah, I traveled Europe for a year. Or you could write a travel blog and try to get, um, try to get as many followers for that as possible. And yeah, maybe you only get a hundred, but you could talk about that experience and say, I made myself write one blog every day and that was my rule and this ended up happening. You know, those are the things that I think early in your life and career, you can still do the things you want to do and not know what you want to be next, but start thinking ahead of how this is going to look on my resume or what can I, what can I control that's going to just give me experiences that I could then talk about in a job interview, you know, yeah. um, there's always something there. And again, like it doesn't have to be, getting this like internship like that's kind of what people think of classically is like oh if I could work for a company I could have that logo and that experience on my resume um but yeah you know the travel thing I just mentioned if it's like hey I'm gonna go travel with <laughs> it's actually a good idea $20 in my pocket and just see how far I get and yeah I have like a lifeline to get bailed out if I needed to that's a story that if you told on an interview, I think you would get remembered, you know, especially yeah. if you talked about really what you learned and who knows where that could lead you. So that's the sort of stuff that when you're at that age, you know, you want to be having experiences like that, but you also want to be making sure that how could I be intentional about what I'm doing now to have a resume that's a little better than the other people who are um, applying for this job that are my age. Yeah. No, for sure. And and like, that's something not necessarily exclusive to this industry, but it's something that's very cool and unique is like, like no one's paying me to do this. Like I'm doing it for my own learning, hopefully, you know, helping some people along the way. But like, 
it's, there's so many opportunities where if you're a graphic designer, you can design for anything that's happening in the sports world and make sure and start building your own audience. Like, you know, like you said, the traveling through Europe for a year, it's like, make a TikTok account, have, have a strategy, have an idea, like shoot and edit these videos, like star in these videos that shows that you can do a lot of the things that we're looking for when we're hiring people. So it's like, yes, it's not, Hey, I, I had an internship with the NFL and then I had another internship with Apple and, you know, another internship with the Patriots. It's like, yeah, I mean, I had a couple experiences while I was in school, but these are the three things that are really important to me and things that taught me, you know, X, Y, and Z about the industry. And, and you could speak really intelligently about what it would take to create something from nothing and take it from, you know, just like we were talking about earlier, like an idea all the way through the 97 steps that it takes to then hit post. If you're already doing that, maybe it's not on this gigantic scale, but all you need is that, you know, that platform to be able to, to showcase your work to a bigger group of people. So it's like, you know, we're, we're in the, like, not the, I guess the world, but like, we're in a world now where like people who don't have these experiences are influencers now that you're trying to get to help your brand achieve their goal. So it's like, you don't have to have, you know, it's so much less traditional than it used to be. Yeah. Especially if you're interested in content and social media, like there's nothing stopping you from creating a social handle or account and start posting content every day, like nothing at all. Right. Yeah. So, um, there's so many opportunities to be doing the things that you want to be getting into and getting experience doing it. And I'm sure if you had an intern come to you, you know, for the pirates and they said, yeah, I didn't have any internships in college, but I created like a pirates TikTok account. And I did one video a day on like the news you need to know about the pirates. And they showed it to you and was like, I made myself do this every day for 360 days. And yeah, you only got 75 followers or maybe it blows up. You know what I mean? Yeah. But that's going to be a pretty impressive thing that you're like, wait, you have been posting on TikTok about. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, this is what I learned. This is how I edited these videos. This is how I created content that was better like you know what i mean i yeah. actually had one that got a thousand views and that was crazy and that's gonna be like pretty impressive to you and there's nothing stopping like anybody from doing that sort of a thing except for obviously just like the will to to want to do it so yeah there's a lot more opportunity these days to get experiences when you're younger um especially in like digital and social right anyone could start writing and creating content and um you know, they're already doing it for their personal handles as well. So I think if you're interested in social media, it's obviously there's, you already have a leg up in that you can try to just start creating content yourself within the topics that you're interested in. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and then honestly, on the flip side too, I, there's always like, I'm a firm believer that there's, there's a lot of luck in hiring as well. Like it's, you know, you might see, four or five people who all have all the experience that you want and need talk to each of them. One of them is like, this person feels like the person I want to work with every day. And it just, and it works out. Sometimes it doesn't, sometimes it's great. And, and sometimes it's things that you never expected, but it's like, 
that's why it's so important to do these kind of things and build your resume from, you know, whatever day you start having that end goal in mind of like, I want to, I want to work for major league baseball team someday on the social side. What steps can I take as a high school senior today that in four years after college, I have a resume that's going to be valued by these people. So, I mean, like you said, I don't like high school senior, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And even I think as a freshman in college, I I, I wanted to be an architect for, I think a week and a half and ended up yeah. in social media. So it's like the earlier you can figure it out. Great. But that doesn't mean if you figured out senior year of college, that doesn't mean you can't do it. It's just your time frame's a little bit more crunched than the others. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's there, the, the opportunities are endless when it's just, you know, Hey, I'm a big Suns fan. I'm going to start a Suns blog or, a, you know, a, I'm going to design graphics for every single game. Like you said, like really digging in and showing that this stuff means something to you. And even if your graphics aren't great to start, you're going to learn something every time you post something that will get you closer to that goal. Totally. Yeah. If you know what you want to do, there's so many things you could try early on to start giving you experience and if you don't know what you want to do yet you just have to think intentionally about like okay what can i do that will be an experience that can get me closer to figuring out what i want to do and at minimum be something on my resume that looks different than others you could you could still get into things that are going to make you stand out and can mold you into whatever it is you're going to become um, so not knowing what you want to be isn't a hindrance to building up a resume at that age. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, I don't, there's ways to do that aren't traditional, like we've been talking about, you know? Yeah. And, and honestly, like just do something like, as long as you're doing something, it's either going to get you closer or, well, it, it's always going to get you closer, but it's going to like, like you said, it's either. Hey, I, I, like I said, I'm a big Suns fan. I've made a graphic every game this year. I made 82 graphics at the end of those 82 days. I hate making graphics. It's like, okay, well, at least you learned not only what it took to do that, but now you're, now you know that your career should not go in that direction. You know, mm -hmm. it's like an internship doesn't always have to be a, a, like a stepping stone along the line of like the same goals. It can be, Hey, I have an internship in sports kind of liked it. Not sure. I'm going to go have an internship in the music industry. Not sure. Maybe then I'm going to go to an agency. It's like, it's all kind of, like you said, shaping what your journey is going to become and helping you kind of make those decisions, even if you're kind of undecided. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. But it's, I don't know if it's harder than ever or easier than ever in today's world to to try to get a job outside of outside of college. Yeah. There's definitely there's definitely more opportunity than ever as you know, every year the internet exists, there's more and more opportunity for anyone to start their own thing. It does seem like the younger generation is more interested in like how could I make my own way and like be an entrepreneur and figure things out. I think because they've seen so many influencers and individual entrepreneurs you know in their kind of formative time right like in the last five years like probably most of the people that they're like fans of are these just like self-starting influencers on on tiktok um 
and they've been fed a lot of like, yeah, if I can create good content myself, like I could be my own boss or, you know, build something myself. So that's kind of an interesting piece of the next generation, which I think is definitely um, positive, you know, they're seeing so many just like solo entrepreneurs (laughs) and people who created it themselves. And that's almost like who the new uh, role models are in business for for this generation. Yeah. And and I mean, like, and those people are doing something like they didn't just, you know, this opportunity didn't just drop in their lap to say like, okay, well, you're an influencer now. It's like they had to, they had to struggle. They had to build, they had to learn like, and they had to want it. And so it's like, that's the kind of attitude that, you know, when I'm hiring someone, that's what I'm looking for. Like, I don't want, I don't want someone to come in and just expect, you know, every day, stop by my office, I'll tell you what to do and then go home at five. It's like, I want someone who wants to learn, is hungry, is bringing new ideas, is just is just ready for whatever might be next and, and wants to grow. So it's like, even that mindset of just like, you know, I have to, I have to do this myself. I have to build it myself. And, you know, maybe you don't become the TikTok influencers you want, but you just learned a ton about how to be successful in a company so that then maybe someday you could go back to doing your own thing. But it's like, those skills are so transferable back and forth. Definitely. Cool, man. Well, honestly, this has been amazing. I have a few quick, goofy questions just to shut her down and, uh, and I, I won't hold you up any longer, but um, answer these as quickly or as, as take as much time as you need. But um, first one is, I think the most difficult it's uh, what is your least favorite industry buzzword? My least favorite industry buzzword. Um, Honestly, I I don't like when people refer to um, like Gen Z. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it used to be millennial and now it's Gen Z. I don't like when people say that. I don't know why. I know it's like helpful to classify, but it's like when it's like Gen Z expects this, Gen Z really cares about this. It's like, I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> it makes, it right. makes sense, man. Yeah. No. It, yeah. Like how, how very can you say to just talk about that, you know, yes. at a conference or something about this is what Gen Z wants. It's like, yeah. okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? And also like social media, and marketing isn't all about one generation and that one generation doesn't all want this thing, you know? And I get the value in it. Obviously there's trends and, um, you know, ways to interact with different age groups that are different, but I don't know what's next. What's after Gen Z? What's going to be the next one? I remember Gen Z replaced millennial. Millennial used to be cool. What's what's going to be the next one? Do they have a name already for it? I, that's a great question. I have no idea. And how far out do they name them? Yeah. Yeah. Like, and who names them? <laughs> who names them is a great question. I have no idea. Maybe we, we got to think of whatever's next and then we can make t-shirts and stuff or something. <laughs> um, well, yeah. And, and I mean, like, it's just one of those things. Like if you're going to a conference and it's like, this guy's talking about Gen Z, you're like, oh man, I'm going to go, I'm going to go listen. So it's like, like when, when I put up this episode, I'll put Eric Stark, talks about gen z and then we'll get so many more viewers 
Call me a Gen Z expert. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> um, okay, so these ones are more pop or pop culture-y, but uh, Parks and Rec or The Office? Uh, the Office. Although I do For- love Parks and Rec. But... Yeah, I, both are amazing. Uh, F- Friends or Seinfeld? Um, that's tough. It was friends for me growing up. Like I didn't watch Seinfeld until recently, actually. But now I would say Seinfeld. Yeah. Same. I, like Friends was I, I think I had every season of like DVDs back yeah. in the day. Um, but yeah, like Seinfeld is just Jerry Seinfeld is like one of my heroes. And I like everything he does, I love. And so it, it it's kind of caught on a little bit later than I think it should have, but it's yeah. uh yeah, it's amazing. Uh, cool ranch or nacho cheese? Ranch for sure. TikTok reels or shorts? Um, I consume reels the most, but I think TikTok is actually the most engaging. I just I'm, I'm not on it daily because I think it's almost too addictive. <laughs> I give TikToks the like. Fl- the most respect goes to TikTok. My time is more on Instagram. I think like uh, probably most, I'll, I'll say it, most millennials is <laughs> where we got used to tick, or to Instagram more. Uh, yeah. But yeah, TikTok. I remember the first time I experienced TikTok, I was like, whoa, like this is insane. You know yeah. what I mean? Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, this is going to work. Like, this is crazy. (laughs) Uh, Even, like, the content creation there. So, yeah, TikTok gets all the respect, but my time is still uh, mostly on Instagram. And then shorts, I've only spent time on recently to check how, like, customers are engaging there. But actually, the more I'm on YouTube, the more shorts are getting exposed. And I think shorts is going to be super important in 2024, and yeah. be a, a pretty um pretty mainstay for brands yeah for sure yeah and yeah. i mean like and tiktok tiktok for me is like i'm a huge youtube guy i love like i almost use it as like a netflix like you go to youtube you just consume you consume and and tiktok has kind of become that as well where it's like you're not yeah. necessarily just hopping on to kill time it's like you are you know specifically going there where it's like all right i'm probably going to go through an hour's worth of content right now but it's like i'm like my headphones are on i'm ready to consume it's not just like let me check you know twitter really quick or x and and see what's going on it's like a very conscious decision to go to youtube or threads or threads youtube or tiktok yeah definitely uh all right a couple more google plus or igtv um Google Plus or IGTV? Google Plus. Yeah. <laughs> that's uh, I think that's a lose-lose one at this point. I think that's lose-lose. I think we launched a Google Plus for like the Niners way back when. I'm pretty sure we... I was trying to remember if it was the Speedway or if it was the Steelers. I'm pretty sure we had a Google Plus account with the Steelers. Yeah. Yeah. Um, th- this you. one... This is a, a special one just for you. Tony Stark or Ned Stark? Oh, man. 
I'll have to, I have to say Tony Stark because Ned Stark his head chopped off. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Pretty quickly. But I do like Game of Thrones better than I like um, better than I like Iron Man or any like superhero. Uh, yeah. I'm not big on the superhero universe and like Marvel movies. Um, so I'm not a huge iron man fan although i get the reference a lot and it's definitely like a badass reference yeah most people will say that over game of thrones yeah but they'll be like oh be like is tony stark your father that's what that's what people (laughs) anytime i check into a hotel that's what they say that's the first question yeah oh that's funny well that leads me to my last question is uh rate the finale of game of thrones from one to ten Oh, um, the finale of Game of Thrones was like a negative seven. <laughs> I just rewatched the entire series because my wife had never seen it. And I was like, you would love Game of Thrones. So I got the whole experience again. And it was so much worse the second time. Even. I, was, <laughs> I cannot believe this is how it ended. The last episode was awful. Oh, awful. Man. Yeah. I need to I I need to watch it through one more time. I like I I've, it's a fun I fun rewatch. You yeah, know, I, the very end, but like some is it, it was a really fun rewatch. Yeah. I mean that show was amazing for so many seasons, but well, and that's like I I caught onto it late. Like I think I watched the first like four seasons just back to back and and binge them, and then with the rest of the world got to watch like the last couple, but. um but yeah, I, I I keep saying that I think it was like a five, but I don't really remember what it was at this point. So I gotta I gotta go back and watch again. Yeah, it's a fun yeah. rewatch until until then. Until then. Yeah, <laughs> I'll just I'll turn it off and. Make and I know a lot ending. of people who aren't gonna rewatch it just because they're like, I can't live through that ending again. Yeah. Well, that was like, uh, did you ever watch the show Lost way back when? I never watched Lost. That was like I was hooked on that and it was amazing and then the yeah. ending it was just like oh and i've never gone back to watch it again yeah i tried yeah. to rewatch breaking bad recently because that was one of my favorite shows Ooh. yeah but i couldn't rewatch it it was actually like a tough rewatch yeah I was like, oh, man like i don't know there's something about like the characters and stuff that i was like i don't think i need to be in this <laughs> but i uh there's a show that I rewatch all the time. And I think I've, I think I've got through it like three times is Narcos on Netflix. That's oh. like my, one of my all time favorite shows. It. Oh, it's so good. So good. Yeah. Highly recommend it. List. Um, okay. I'll check it out. Cool. Well, ne- next time I have you on, we'll, we'll talk about it. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> cool, man. Well, thank you so, so, so much for being here. Uh, thanks to everyone who, uh, who followed along and listened and, uh, you know, we will uh, see you again soon. Thanks, Zach.